Okay, let's pray together. Teach us your ways, O Lord, and we will walk in your truth. Knit our hearts to you that we may fear your name. Amen. Good morning to you all. Special uh, good morning to any Pathfinders that are with us and to you online as well. Some of you might know that I used to live in the Netherlands for some years. And there's one thing you learn about the Dutch very quickly, and that is that they are very direct. They really say it as it is, no beating around the bush. And I think this morning, perhaps uh, when we read the words of Jesus, we can see a bit of Dutch blood in Jesus. And although it can feel quite disturbing, it can also actually be quite relieving because you really know where you are. Things are quite clear. And also what Jesus wants and what Jesus is very clear about is what we want as well, because Jesus wants authenticity. He hates hypocrisy. That saying one thing and doing another, or professing to be somebody that actually it turns out you're not that person at all. Because that leads to a sense of betrayal, doesn't it? And that is the problem with our world today. It seems as though uh, youngsters are really good at sniffing out hypocrisy. They are really good at this desire for authenticity. And they can see it, can't they? They can see hypocrisy in the great institutions of our society, in the police, in politics, and of course, in the church, very sadly. And I think there is this almost collective sense of betrayal. The institutions have let us down. They've not been what they've professed to be. So Jesus' words speak into this. And his directness is like a shaft of light illuminating the darkness. Jesus is not interested in our words. He is interested in how we behave in our actions. Verse 21, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Eugene Peterson, in the message version, translates this as, what is required is serious obedience. In other words, just saying the words, whether that's in prayer or worship or teaching or witness, it's not good enough. Jesus needs to see our words being put into practice. But before we start immediately focusing on action, let me be really clear that this passage, along with the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, is about our hearts. In Jesus' culture, your heart is the center of all that you are. Your heart is not just the center of your feelings, but it's the center of your will, your inner life, if you like, what motivates you, what, yeah, your inclinations, everything about who you are is in your heart. And psychologists and scientists of today uh, confirm this, don't they? Because what we think and feel and believe 
affects how we behave. As we learnt last week, what is inside comes out. A diseased tree is not going to produce good fruit. So there is one other point in the gospel, uh, in the story of Jesus, where he uses that expression, I don't know you or I never knew you. And this comes in the story of what's called the bridesmaids, the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. It's in chapter 25. If you wanted just to flick over, I think it's uh, page 990-something. Yep, 994. And this story, this parable, is about these these ten women five of them foolish and five of them wise and the wise ones came well prepared with all that they needed to greet the bridegroom and to enter into the joy of the wedding feast the foolish ones were out buying the stuff they needed when and when they got to the party the door was locked at that moment They are deeply shocked and surprised to hear the bridegroom say, when they said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us, the bridegroom replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. And this story, this story of the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins, comes with two other parables, and all of them are about the kingdom, the parable of the talents and the parable of the sheep and the goats. And the kingdom, just to remind you, is of course that that place where God's rule is, where he is reigning, his justice, his righteousness. And so when we look at these parables of the kingdom, what we see is that they are warnings. They're warnings about how what is in our hearts is seen by God. What is in our hearts matter. And these parables highlight those heart attitudes of indifference or apathy or lack of diligence or even cold-heartedness. What's in our hearts can lead us to non-action as much as action. Some years ago, I had a very dear friend and our children grew up together and we were very close, spent a lot of time together. And I began to realize that my friend was really struggling. Uh, There was something very much the matter. But she didn't tell me. For whatever reason, she couldn't tell me what was going on. And it was only months later when her husband walked out on her and her kids that I realized some of the pain, obviously the terrible pain, that she had been in. When we hear those words of Jesus, I don't know you, it's shocking, isn't it? And we're also puzzled because Jesus knows and loves everyone. He knows and loves all of us. And actually, with Jesus, to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. That is the truth. So the point is, not does Jesus know me, but am I going to be willing to let myself be known by Jesus? 
Am I truly going to bear my heart to him? Am I going to open up everything that's inside for nothing to be hidden? Because to be true to God, we need to be true to ourselves. Jesus is saying, I am not going to be in that position, that position that I found myself in with my friend. He's saying, I'm not going to be in that position of being kept at arm's length. You can choose, but if you call me my friend, my follower, you need to open up to me because I am interested in your heart. I am not expecting perfection, but I am expecting honesty. So what's really going on inside us? You know, this self-reflection is hard work. Heart work is hard work, but it is the necessary work of being a disciple. I can feel moved by the plight of a refugee. But if I don't act on that feeling, if I never write to Steve Bryan about the immigration bill, it remains just a feeling. I ask myself, is my heart really closely knit to God's heart for justice for the poor? I can say I care about the environment, but if in the supermarket I can't be bothered to look and see where my mange too have come from, am I really living to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? Or what about if I fly off the handle and get angry out of all proportion? Do I stop and ask myself, why did I do that? Why am I behaving in that way? What's going on in my heart? Or what about those times when I feel resentful, resentful towards my other half or my children or my parents? Do I stop and ask myself, is my heart really resting in God's love for me? There was a moment when that actually happened uh, in my life. My children were quite small, and uh, for those who don't know, my husband's a clergyman, so he tended to have, he had a day off in the week, just one day off in the week. And I remember leaving him lying in a sunny garden as I cycled off to collect the kids from school for the hundredth, millionth time, it felt like. And I remember thinking to myself, this is so unfair. How does he get to just lie in the garden when I'm cycling off to get the kids again? And I just felt all this resentment. I'm sure none of you can relate to this. I just felt really angry and upset and unfair. And so I began to talk to God about it on my bike. It's always a great place to pray. And I began to say, Lord, this is so unfair and, it's not, and he's not doing this and he's not doing that and la, la, la. And I just felt like the Lord just cut through and say, well, why don't you do something about it? You can lie in the garden. And of course, immediately I'm saying, well, I can't. That's the whole point. He's the one who's lying in the garden. But it was a really significant moment for me because it made me think about what was going on inside and it made me make some changes and to do some things differently. Because this hard work, this hard work is hard work. 
It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes perseverance. You know, the way to life, the way to God is vigorous and it requires total attention. As we've been reminded in previous weeks, we don't have to learn to be selfish or lazy or apathetic. All those things come very naturally to us. That is the broad, the easy way. But that is also a way, I would suggest, of denial, of pretense. We end up not looking at our feelings and our emotions. We ignore them or bury them or cover them up. And we do this in many, many different ways. There's lots of things that we uh, employ that stop us reflecting. Netflix, food, alcohol, scrolling. And in fact, in this passage, Jesus highlights a very significant way we can ignore how we're really doing. Christian ministry, preaching, leading a home group, helping an XPC or download. All of these things that are good things sometimes, very good things. But if they're ways of covering up or ignoring what's really going on in my inner life, then I need to do something about it. So can I encourage you as my sisters and brothers to do something about that inner life? Talk to mature Christian friends. Find a spiritual director. Buy a notebook. Do some journaling. Maybe use the prayer of examine at the end of the day, a simple ancient prayer to help you reflect on the day. Last week, when Simon prayed for those who had been baptized, he prayed that they would be ruthless in eliminating hypocrisy from their lives. Surely that is all of our prayer, isn't it? That we would be ruthless in eliminating hypocrisy from our lives. That we would make sure our insides match our outsides. At the beginning of this section of Jesus' sermon, he reminds his listeners again not to judge. He says, do not judge. And he says this because he knows us so well, doesn't he? He knows our propensity to judge either ourselves or others. When we judge others, we're deflecting away from our own issues and we're thinking about how others should change. How many of us have heard a sermon or read a book and thought, oh, I wish so-and-so, so-and-so could hear that? Or we judge ourselves, and that can lead to either pride or self-loathing, neither of which is helpful. We can spiral into this feeling of hopelessness, and we exclude ourselves from God's grace. So we must remember, as these verses remind us, that Jesus is our judge. Jesus is always fair and always just. He is the best judge. So it's Pentecost Sunday, and at Pentecost we pray a beautiful prayer that goes, Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle in us the fire of God's love. 
And so that is, I think, our prayer for this morning, that we would ask God to kindle in us the fire of his spirit of love. Now, some of you might be like my husband and enjoy lighting fires. He, if you know anything about him, he lights fires at any opportunity, my beloved. But obviously, fires need things, don't they? They need fuel and air and heat. And they need tending and looking after. They need kindling, as it were, sometimes blowing on. So we have a part to play when we ask for God's spirit to work in our hearts. We have a part to play in opening up to God and asking him to give us that transforming fire of his love. Because that's what fire does. It cleanses, it changes things, it transforms things. And that's what God's spirit does in us. So I wonder, can we pray together? Come Holy Spirit, kindle in us the fire of God's love. Amen.